Welcome new listeners or welcome back regular fans to Work at Life. I am Maddie Grant, culture consultant at Propel, and I'm here with my lovely co-host Sonia Lucina, who is president of the workforce division at Question Pro and an organizational psychologist. Work at Life is a show for everyone, whether you're an employee or an employer, who believes that work should be just as fulfilling as life outside of work. This means that we explore a ton of burning topics related to creating more human workplaces. And what's different about this show is that we look at these burning issues through the lens of both the individual and the organization. And we want you to leave every episode with at least one practical idea to take back with you. So with that, today we want to talk about the power of truly getting to know your colleagues at work beyond just the roles they have in your company. And we have an awesome guest to help us have this conversation. And Brian, I would love if you could uh, quickly introduce yourself and then we will dig into our data point and start the conversation. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Maddie, Sonia. Wonderful to be with both of you. Uh, my name is Brian Moore. Uh, I will start with the things that are most important uh, in my life uh, as I describe you know, who I am. Uh, I am the proud, proud husband of my wife, Jackie. Uh, we've been married for a little over 23 years. Uh, we have wow. an amazing family. We have uh, two daughters, uh, and I am so lucky uh, to be their father, a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old. And being a father of daughters uh, <laughs> has been an exhilarating ride. <laughs> uh, and what I'll also say is living in a house with three women has without question, just made me a better human being. Uh, whether or not we dive more into that, uh, I'd be open to it. I realize that's <laughs> not necessarily core to our conversation today. Um, and then in terms of you know, my professional life, which it's hard for me to separate personal from professional, it's just life. Uh, yeah. what, I, what I do, uh, I believe in the power of business to help solve big, big societal issues. So I'm a passionate conscious capitalist. And uh, for the last 23 years now, I have spent uh, the majority of my time in and around people and culture. And I'm just fascinated by the people dynamic in business. You know, it's interesting as you were describing uh, opening things up, Maddie, you know, this is both for the employees and the employer. The show is for both. And I think about like this distinction that we've made. Employers are just the groups of employees. It's so interesting to me that it's just all about people. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm fascinated by that. And the work that I do is really in the whole people side of the business, which I think is, is everything. So uh, that's me. Well, you're definitely speaking our language. And I think what's interesting about today's topic is that we talk a lot about this um, the ability to bring your your authentic, true self to work, right? This is something that's come up a, a lot in business circles, pre-pandemic even, because I know we always, you know, talk about the pandemic and the, the those effects. But um, while we know what it's like to know the people that you're closest to at work, we really don't have processes for understanding or getting to know you know, everybody else that you might work with, um, particularly if we're, you know, remote or distributed. And so, Sonia, I want to kick the ball to you because we have some really good data points to kind of um, dig into this a little bit. 
Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I, like when I first met Brian, I, I told him so many times, like I absolutely like love the work that he, he does and and what he's focused on because from my personal and professional experience, relationships drive so much in our lives. They drive so much in our personal lives, so much in our professional lives. And actually, um, this morning, I was reading an article, a recent article from HBR called Managers Can't Do It All. And it was talking about um, how much impact, and, and we've known this forever, but like I feel like we need to keep talking about this, like how much impact a relationship with a manager has on their people, has on their well-being, which is maybe not something we've talked about as much, you know, before. How much it has, obviously, in their uh, productivity, on their, you know, satisfaction with their job, or, um, you know, all of those important factors. And what's interesting is that, to your point, like we don't. There's not necessarily systematic ways in organizations to help people get connected, and so a lot of times it leaves it to an individual manager. And do they lead by example? And I think that's phenomenal, but just like this HBR article was saying, like it's a lot of pressure to put on a single person and it also doesn't make a systematic impact across the organization. So you could have a leader that brings their whole self to work and that creates a space that allows others to do the same, but then somebody in a different department could have a very different experience if their leader doesn't approach things that way. And it shouldn't depend on just that one person. It should be that connectivity between different individuals. And that actually brings us to our first data point that, you know, we asked 300 workers around the U.S., how well do you know your manager? And um, only 40% said they know this person extremely well. And and to our discussion point with Brian earlier, you know, he highlighted, he's like, oh my God, but 60% of people, somebody they, you know, work the closest with in the organization, they're saying they don't know them well. And there's such a tremendous opportunity there. It's probably someone you spend the most of your time with in an organization, you still feel like you don't know them that well. Um, And then we also asked, how many people on your team do you feel like you have a close relationship with? And um, actually, like fewer than 20% of people said that they felt like they had a close relationship with like over 75% of their team. And the greatest number, 34%, said that they have a close relationship with less than a quarter of people on their team. So what was interesting is even that relationship with the manager wasn't extremely strong. But then when you got within team members that actually create this really powerful ecosystem in your organization, the relationship became even less. And so what a phenomenal time, Brian, for you to tell us what you think about this and and for us to dive in because it is such a tremendous um, area of opportunity based on what we're seeing in research, based on what we're seeing, you know, on the data. So take it away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for that. And and thanks for sharing those data points. It's, it is. It's really, really fascinating. Um, I think a lot of it, knowing what I know, which is certainly not all, uh, we've come from such a transactional business landscape, right? That the business world that we've all grown up in is one that was all about hiring people, paying them, providing them with a great place to work, good benefits, but it was about the transaction. It was, you come do your job here, we will pay you. And that is the nature of the relationship. And I think what's happening, and this trend started before the pandemic, and I think it's been accelerated by it, is um, 
we're moving into a far more relational environment where yeah. we are all realizing that we spend a, an enormous amount of our waking hours at work, which means the people that we are in um, relationships with at work are the people that we're going to spend a really big part of our lives with. And so it's sort of like taking a step back for a moment and hovering over your work environment and thinking about the people you work with, these people that you interact with. And it's like, wow, I am totally missing out on this opportunity to really get to know these folks and allow these folks to get to know me. And the benefits, the data suggests that the benefits that come from having deeper, more meaningful relationships are all positive. There's not, there's not downside to it, whether it's in your personal life or in your professional life. So you could look at the, uh, the data that Gallup has been doing for 20 some odd years now, uh, that having a best friend at work and having people that truly care about you as a person ups the probability of engagement. When you're more engaged, you're doing better work. And then on the flip side of that coin, Harvard, uh, Asanya, you mentioned the HBR article, Back in the late 1930s, uh, early 1940s, Harvard and a group of researchers set out on the study of adult development and this longitudinal study to answer one really simple yet profound question, what leads to a happy life? And what they have found year in, year out over the past 80 years is it's the quality and depth of our relationships. And so here we are at work spending the most of our lives doing work with our work colleagues those relationships will produce better work if we're closer and more happiness in our life. And yet we're all puzzled, like, wh how, why can't we get this right? And so it is, it is to your point, Sonia, it is a fascinating time to be in this muck and figuring it out. Well, and I think for so long, like when you thought about work, like you mentioned, like it was, it was more transactional, like you went in and you got things done and like the expectations of relationships weren't there. Like the expectation, like it was like that, the, you know, well, we still sometimes talk about the work-life balance because we've talked about it for so long as two completely separate life entities that it's so easily like rolls off our tongue that oftentimes I feel like we say it and then we have to catch ourselves to correct ourselves and wait, 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 um, that's not the case anymore. And that I think, you know, for so long, like maybe you had a relationship with somebody you would work next to, but it was probably more professional than anything else. And you didn't rely on them on advice about kids or advice about spouses or health or anything else. And so it's this like really, I think, interesting global societal shift, mental shift. But then it's also around when you think about things psychologically and what I love that, you know, there's a lot more talk about vulnerability right now. And if I tell people like that, I'm not superhuman, if I, you know, uncover something that shows that there is an area that, you know, maybe it is going to impact my work. Maybe it's really hard in my life and that's really hard to keep separate are people going to view me differently? So I think that there's still a lot of like organizational norms and societal norms that we have an opportunity to shape to really create such a good place for this. Like it's, I, I love that all the desire is there. I think that there's still a lot of apprehension, a lot of like, and to your point, like there's no downside of the relationships, but then there's that like idea of like, well, if I, if I open up too much, will people see me differently? Are they going to want to be in a relationship like this with me, et cetera? So I, I, it, it's just like such an incredible field again to like shape and, and make even better <laughs> in the coming years. Well, and yeah. I definitely think one of the reasons for that discomfort that you were just talking about, Sonia, is that we don't have, we don't know how to, to 
set up these conversations in the workplace, right? Like it's like we've touched on, you know, mental health and wellness a lot in in previous podcasts. And that's another area where, you know, how much am I allowed to share? How much should I share? What if I share something and then it, you know, it, it comes back on me in some negative way because, you know, I was stupid enough to talk about some of my mental health issues or, you know, there's there's a lot of fear um, and just, you know, sort of apparent risk in some of this. But I think that's because there aren't these sort of structures and systems and processes that make it okay to talk about your life outside of work, which is why the pandemic, you know, one of the weird, you know, upsides, silver linings is that everybody gets to see your messy house and your, you know, dog in the background. <laughs> but yeah. that's okay. It's okay, you know, because <laughs> everybody's in the same boat. Yeah. So, um, and and so I wonder, like, it'll be interesting to see, and I haven't actually, I just thought of this, I haven't looked at any of the body of research, but how much even when organizations talk about like their values and what they stand for. And we recently did an episode around um, redefining those, like, are we going to see an uptick in organizations saying, bring your whole self to work or something along those lines? It's like a pillar that they stand around and then talk about how do we operationalize that? Like, how do we give managers the right training to have the right conversations? How do we make sure that's the norm? How do we make sure that it's not just manager down? Because again, like we're talking about this like incredible ecosystem and a lot of pressure going on managers and expectations changing. And I think at some point, like I'd love to see that shift. I think not to take away all the responsibilities and all the incredible positive ways that managers and leaders can impact their teams, but how do we create a more of a community and how do we set up a culture where those discussions are encouraged, that they're like actually brought into the norm? Is it like, hey, every time we kick off a meeting, we're going to spend X, you know, amount of time, like really sharing about ourselves and, you know, for anyone who wants. So I don't like that's, those are the kinds of things that I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing is like, how do we, one, you know, clearly make it a claim as an organization. And this is something that's really, really important to us because it might take that kind of shift. But then how do you operationalize it and make sure that it's really a part of your DNA? Yeah, I think a lot of those conversations, like those more personal ones where you might feel like you're sort of stepping over the line of, is this too much to share with my colleagues? I think a lot of those conversations and those relationships that get built happened somewhat serendipitously when we were able to gather five days a week in an office and see people all the time. And I realize some people are experiencing that again and people are back in the office and I'm a huge fan for face-to-face, -face. like being with people in person is the best in my opinion. Um, you know, you spend enough time with someone and you have enough of those moments where you're walking to and from the parking garage together, or maybe you go grab a cup of coffee or go out to lunch or you stay before or after a meeting in the conference room and you sort of just find your way and meander down the path of conversation that is non-work related and you start to open up and you, you, you crack someone's exterior open a little, or you show a little bit of your own vulnerability and like, one leads to the other. And these, these mirror neurons in our brains, as soon as we see someone like open up, like we want to be there with them. And so it's like this give and take relationship that happened pretty naturally uh, and consistently when you were with people in person. 
well, now that so many folks are not together or, you know, companies have really expanded geographically and they've got people in different states and different countries and different parts of the world. And some companies have gone fully virtual or fully remote first and are only gathering maybe once or twice a year in person. It's like, how do you, how do you recreate all of what happened somewhat naturally, accidentally, serendipitously in the virtual world? And that's, that's kind of new for most people. Well, and also like, how do you, how do you improve on what, how that worked before? Because so what you're describing in terms of, you know, running into people on a regular basis in the office and getting to know them, um, it doesn't happen equally across the board, right? Like you have to be a somewhat extrovert or connect with another introvert, (laughs) like quietly in the corner, (laughs) right? Or, you know, it's, like some people have a harder time breaking in and getting, I mean, just like any, just like when we were in school, you know, some kids make friends really easily and some don't like, it's just, you know, we're all different. So looking ahead, like it seems like there's so much opportunity to think about different ways to make this stuff happen because we're virtual and we need to make an extra effort, but also make it happen more kind of equitably or more easily for anybody, or more customized, like in different ways for different people, because they're willing and able to share in different ways, right? Because not everybody's like a a talker like Sonia, who likes to share her whole life story. (laughs) I do. It's true. (laughs) All day, every day. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I'm I'm kind of that way too, actually. I think most of us, I think most of us do enjoy talking about the things that we care about, right? The things that are important in our lives. I, th- I, th- I think most of us do. It's how do we help sort of tease that out of people, you know, especially if you are a little bit shy or perhaps more introverted and that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, we are all wired differently. Um, but again, I think the, and you made the point, Maddie, where, you know, we've now had this wonderful, albeit uh, unintentional invitation into everybody's personal life because we're, you know, videoing into their homes, whether it's through Gmeet or Teams or Zoom or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, for those of us that don't have our, uh, uh, like, one of those backgrounds, like if you're really, like right now, the three of us are in each other's homes. Like I can see, you can see. And so there are- very tidy, by the way. (laughs) I know, I have OCD really bad. So there you go. There's something you'd learn about me. Like, wow, that's really neat. Yeah, well, like I'm an order structure kind of person, at least in my home, maybe in other parts of my life, not so much. But like in the physical office, you know, people had little artifacts, pictures of family or pictures of pets or awards or, you know, we're able to have something about a, a favorite activity or a sports team or whatever was at their desk. And when you find that you have a commonality with someone, it's that, that those are the things that can start to open the door. And so how do we help people surface these uncommon commonalities that have been hiding in plain sight in a world where you've lost a lot of the visual cues that our desks or cubes or offices offered in the physical workplace. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting challenge, which I know you've worked on a lot, of course. Um, definitely wanted to talk a little bit about how you 
handle this or, you know, I was going to say attack, but that's not such a nice word. But anyway, how you get into this whole topic specifically through your work, I think it's it's actually very fascinating because you've touched on that string that really connects everybody, which is that everybody has a story to tell. Everybody, you know, was born somewhere, grew up in certain circumstances, got into their job in whatever way they got into their job and is now living wherever they live and now has, you know, spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend or pets or fish or whatever. (laughs) Um, And, you know, everybody sort of got from A to B, if B is today, um, along, you know, individual um, paths. And so that kind of connection point, even starting with, you know, where were you born, I think, like is, is you know something that you've dug into a lot in terms of how to really help people get to know each other. Yeah, I, I had this amazing experience about six years ago. I joined uh, the Entrepreneurs Organization, the EO Group. It's a global community, and yeah. they organize you know, founders and entrepreneurs and CEOs into these smaller forums, and it ends up the healthy thriving forum environments are one that are rooted in a really deep sense of vulnerability based trust amongst the members of the forum. And one of the most powerful activities to help accelerate that sense of safety and connection and trust is an experience called the lifeline. And essentially what it is, is each member of a forum delivering a presentation about the story of their life, the highs, the lows, and everything in between, the celebratory moments, the regretful moments, the, the, the victories, the losses, the regrets, um, the heartache. Um, and if you really lean into that, which I did, it like, it just opened me up and everyone was able to like, like quickly, like, okay, I actually know who you are. You've told me. And going through that experience was really profound for me. And so the work that we do is, all right, how do you take that kind of an experience, make it a bit more accessible and mainstream so that it can work in a corporate environment, which still has its own rules and protocols yeah. and, and things, which I, I, I fully respect. There is a, there's a decorum in a way that we need to operate in business, right? There's goals we need to achieve. There's a sense of teamwork. There's all of those ways in which when you get groups together who are pursuing a common mission or purpose, presumably united by a shared set of values, there's a, there's a way you should, should be generally. I'm not saying throw that out, but I'm also saying let's not keep out our humanity and sacrifice that for these rules and protocols, which actually up till now have really kind of kept our humanity out. I think it's, I think we can have both. Why not? Like, I don't get why they have to be mutually exclusive. Well, and from a culture perspective, uh, which, you know, from my point of view, part of the issue there too, is that we, we don't define what, what the collective is in comparison to the individual in that sense, like where, you know, we do, I think in, in my work, a lot of organizations do want authenticity. They do want people to, to feel included, right. Diversity, inclusion, super important. Um, But they, they don't 
talk about what it feels like to feel included, you know, like it's, it's a lot of like talking the talk, but not walking the walk, so to speak. (laughs) A lot of lip service. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's like, uh, you know, it's greenwashing, you know, oh yeah, we're a really mission purpose driven company. Well, at the end of the day, the only thing you care about is driving more profits and whatever levers you need to pull to do that, then that's what you'll do. And unfortunately there is a lot of lip service out there, but I think this is just my opinion. This great resignation phenomenon that's been happening over the past year or so, and even as recently as last month, I think the Bureau of Labor Statistics, at least here in the United States, another four and a half million people left their jobs. Like these yeah. are outrageous. This is the tip of the iceberg, by the way. It's all yeah, these are started. These are outrageously big numbers. Yeah. And I think what it's demonstrating, at least at a high level, is employee our personal agency to choose is is as high as I've ever seen it in terms of where we go work. And I think, I think people are, they have reprioritized. The pandemic has helped us put things into perspective. Um, and we are now choosing based on a different set of criteria and priorities than perhaps what we once did. And people are making it work. I'll give you an example. I was in a restaurant yesterday having lunch I was by myself. I was in between meetings and I struck up this great conversation with the bartender. I was sitting at the bar. I wasn't drinking. I was just sitting at the bar. I wanted to get in and get out real quick. And <laughs> although I, 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 it was Cinco de Mayo yesterday. So I thought about having a cocktail, but I did. <laughs> and uh, we just got into this cool conversation. And he was mentioning how this restaurant, which is just the staple here in the Phoenix, uh, Arizona market, almost went out of business. And I'm like, well, how's it been since people are coming back? He's like, we're still running incredibly short staffed. I'm like, why do you think that is? He's like, I think people realize that getting paid what we pay them uh, and and the grind, like the math just didn't add up and they are figuring Not out enough. to make life work however they have to. And I think that's happening at a really, really big scale. And so I think the lesson is for, for companies they're going to have to start to change how they operate and allow humanity in. It can't just be yeah. about the almighty profit. It just can't. <laughs> it's not enough anymore. Well, amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> and You know, we're not alone. We, we are not alone. I think we are all, we all are singing from the same song sheet here, right? I mean, that's why we care so much about this stuff. So if we like kind of thought about, okay, probably a lot of companies do care about this. Um, And maybe a lot of them don't know what to do. Like, what is my first step? What do I do next? What do I do next as somebody that's listening to us have this conversation that's maybe an HR or culture department or people department and can have make a difference at scale or as a leader or a manager or just wants to make a difference? Like, what would be your just few takeaways or recommendations to say, hey, maybe, you know, we can't, we know we can't change the world in one step, but this is something that's very approachable. And I think these are maybe just a couple of things that you could do that would give you the best, that would help you make the best impact for your effort. Like what would a couple of those or a few of those recommendations be? Yeah. So some of like the easiest sort of blocking and tackling things, um, I, 
whether you're still showing up to the office, you know, five or multiple days a week, or if you're connecting mostly virtual or remote as a team, when you gather, I think integrating some sort of a check-in process at the beginning of every meeting, informal or formal meeting, right? Like giving people an opportunity to simply respond to some sort of a, how are you, how are you really doing? Like, how, how are you? What's going on? Giving people the ability to be seen and heard and to not have to BS their way through it. Oh, I'm fine. Everything's great. Well, come on. No. How are you really? And if you're struggling, make it okay for, you know what? I'm having a hard morning. My kids were an absolute train wreck this morning. They were crying and, da, 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 and I couldn't get them out the house and whatever, like whatever it is, but just allow people to be seen and heard, right? So integrate some sort of a check-in process. And then in addition to that, I think another really easy thing to do is give people an opportunity, whether it's formalized or just encouraged, give them some time to connect for non-work related connection. However you want to bring that in, maybe it's once a week for 20 minutes or you formalize it that uh, you do it as a team and everybody spends a half hour or an hour a week just connecting or you set up a Slack channel where you know, you're constantly encouraging people to participate in some sort of a asynchronous, you know, rolling conversation that is non-work related. I think it can start with just really easy, low-hanging fruit ways to allow people to begin to open themselves up and spend some time talking about and engaging on non-work related topics. Because we do it anyways. We just find all these backdoor ways to do it. So let's just put it out in front. Like, let's celebrate it and let's we invite like it. To, um, we like to suggest that companies that have, um, that are more or less on the same time zone um, have a, a Zoom setup that's just lunch. And it's literally lunch, like no topic, no agenda, no speaker, not a lunch and learn. Now forget the learn part. <laughs> it's literally just lunch. And if you want to sit there and not say a word and just eat your sandwich, that's totally cool. But you're, you can be on screen you know, with everybody else and even just listening to what, you know, a couple other people are talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we've seen a proliferation of these, uh, of employee resource groups in the last handful of years, right? Like this is happening. People are gathering and wanting to unite around some sort of a shared commonality. And it could be whether it's uh, from a diversity, equity, and inclusiveness perspective. So these employee resource groups are forming around uh, maybe it's a gender-based group or an ethnic-based group or a sexual orientation-based group or a new mom's group or a new dad's group or whatever, right? People are wanting to find community around commonality. And I think one of the most obvious to me commonalities that we all share, and Maddie, you brought this up earlier, is we've all lived an amazing, unique life made up of all these incredible memories and moments and experiences. All of us have it. So how do we invite more of that in as a, as an organization, as a collective? And that's what I'm getting really excited about because it it I don't have to be um, have this one sliver of a commonality to be an employee resource group. And I'm, I'm employee resource groups are great, but I think we can create company resource groups or team resource groups just around something as accessible as our life experiences. 
Yeah, I totally love it. Totally love it. I wish we could do that more. And it'll hopefully some people will. <laughs> I think it'll happen. I, think- I do think it'll happen. And I think um, what's interesting too is looking at it from a slightly different perspective, which is something we've talked a lot about, Sonia and I, is the, the whole idea that empathy as a leadership trait that is in high demand right now, like this is one of the ways to kind of show that, that you have space for listening to people's life stories, right? That you have space for getting to know people and not just you, the leader, but space for your all of your people to get to know each other, right? Yeah, I fully agree. I fully agree. I, I, you know, you bring up empathy and it just triggers for me this, for so long we have, indexed so heavily on hard skills in business. And there's nothing wrong with it, but as technology continues to advance and a lot of the hard skills are being replaced by technology because it does it better or it's, you know, the repetition. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Faster, more efficient, cheaper, better. What we've under indexed on are the evergreen skills of empathy and compassion and curiosity and understanding and critical thinking, holding multiple perspectives simultaneously. Um, the human skills, I know they've been called soft skills. I think that's a bunch of BS. They're so hard to develop. They're so hard because they're constantly changing. We're constantly evolving. I'm, the person I was at the beginning of this conversation has already changed, right? Like we're changing in micro moments all the time. We are always, always growing. We're moving forward and the inertia carries us. And so I think these human skills um, are what are in highest demand. And you mentioned empathy. So that's what triggered it for me. Like, I don't know that empathy has ever been more important today. It, mm-hmm. It's so critical. It's so critical. People are going through a lot. Yeah. And we have been. It's not just the pandemic. The pandemic just put it on the main stage with a big spotlight. And it right. just, we were all experiencing something similar across the globe at the exact same time, which is, I don't know, in my lifetime, I'm 50 years old. I don't know that we've all ever experienced across the globe the same thing at that scale. I think it, it's certainly the first time I can remember anything. So it just kind of brought us all together in a really, like, a it's it's been awful. Like, pandemic has sucked. Worst gift wrapping of all time. But there have been some gifts if you choose to see them and embrace them. Well, you know that we do. So, and I've just realized how much overtime we are, which of course I say this every episode <laughs> because our conversations are always so fun and interesting. And honestly, there's so many more things that I want to talk to you about. Um, <laughs> but I think we should probably wrap it up. Sonia, do you have any last thoughts right now? No, I think this was fascinating. But again, I think it's, any other thoughts or for a whole other episode? <laughs> <laughs> well, By the way, Brian, I need to share with you. Um, actually, Sonia, I don't know if I've talked to you about this recently, but I've written a future of work manifesto. Um, and it's it, it talks all about um, there's a whole section on new management skills, which are literally a bunch of the things that you just listed. So the ability to hold space, the ability to 
um, have somebody's back, the ability to um, tell stories. Um, there's, you know, a whole bunch of these soft skills that are, in my mind, not yet defined, but will become more and more critical. Um, so I'll share that with you because I'd love to hear what you think. Uh, it sounds like I could uh, put a, uh, a big thumbs up on every single one of the things already. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so, so much for hanging out with us today. This was a really great conversation um, and we really appreciate it. And I'm sure we will have you back at some point to dig into more of these things, you know, as time goes on and hopefully we see more, more paths to empathy happen. <laughs> I think we will. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome.